We really want to be that tool that creates the next generation of intraoperative data. So in order to just keep pushing the boundaries of technology and data in this space, you have to have that data set. And nobody to date has really created the standard tool for how do we capture that intraoperative data. Welcome to MedSider Radio, where you can learn from proven medtech and healthcare thought leaders through uncut and unedited interviews. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. On today's program, we've got Jennifer Freed, the CEO and co-founder of Explorer Surgical. Jennifer founded the company with Dr. Alex Langerman as an MBA student at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, where she received her degree with honors in finance and entrepreneurship. Previously, Jennifer was a vice president at Park Lane Ventures, a healthcare-focused venture capital fund spun out of Essex Woodlands. Jennifer began her career as a consultant at Bain & Company in Chicago after graduating from Northwestern University. In this interview with Jennifer, we get into the following. How most medtech companies currently capture procedural data and workflow processes and why it's completely outdated. The challenges medtech companies are facing when it comes to educational training and product development and why they're considering platforms like Explorer Surgical. What does the future look like when it comes to medtech companies and their ability to capture intraoperative data? And Jennifer's favorite business book, The Business Leader She Most Admires and the advice she'd give to herself five to 10 years ago. There's a lot more we cover in this wide-ranging discussion, but I wanted to call out a few things before we get started. First, joining me on this episode as a special guest host is Norbert Juist. Norbert and I go way back. In fact, we used to sell vascular devices into the same cath labs. Now he runs sales performance resources and specializes in recruiting for medical device sales and marketing positions, and he's quite good at it. Norbert not only brings a ton of industry experience to the table, but he's one of the most honest, genuine, and personable people I know. So if you're looking for a new gig or need help recruiting for some open positions, Norbert is definitely your guy. In the show notes for this episode, you'll find a link to learn more about Norbert and his background. And no, he did not pay me to run this message. All right. Second, if you're new to these MedSider interviews and want to be updated when the next interview goes live, head on over to MedSider.com and enter your email address. That's M-E-D-S-I-D-E-R, medsider.com. Rest assured, we will not spam you. In fact, the only time we'll ping you via email is when a new conversation goes live. Again, it's super simple. Just visit medsider.com and right there on the homepage, you'll see the opportunity to enter your email address. All right, and lastly, as a reminder, if you continue to enjoy these conversations, please give us a rating in your podcast app. Just open the reviews tab and click on the old five stars. Thanks again. It really helps us a ton. All righty, without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right, welcome everyone to MedSider Radio. Got Norbert Juice in the co-pilot chair again. Norbert, how are you doing today? Outstanding. Awesome. Happy and to then, get started here with our 2020 uh, interview. That's right. That's right. We're recording this year in the, the early part of January 2020, and our first guest of the year is Jennifer Freed. And as I mentioned in the intro to this uh, this conversation, she is the chief executive officer of Explorer Surgical. Jennifer, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. 2020, the year yeah, of hindsight. That's right. That's right. The, the old 2020 vision might get a little bit more, uh, uh, but you know, if we, if we were to fast track, you know, another, another eight months into the year, but uh, nonetheless, it's fun to, it's fun to kick off the, the, the new year and, and, and new conversations and new things that we're all kind of working on. But um, well, Jennifer, we'll I mentioned, uh, if you edit that out or not, <laughs> that's right. That's right. All of a sudden this, this is not evergreen anymore, right? Because we put a date oh, to the no. conversation. I messed this up already. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, we're all good there. Hopefully the stuff that we're going to be talking about will be valuable, even if someone's going to, going to listen to this in late 2020 or maybe maybe even in the, the next calendar year. But I mentioned your bio in the intro part of this podcast, but Jennifer, you're one of the co-founders of Explorer Surgical. You're, you're leading the company from a roles and responsibility uh, perspective as the CEO. To help level set everyone, can you give us a high-level pitch of what you guys do and some of the needs that you help solve at the, both the hospital level as well as the med tech level? So Explore is an interactive digital playbook for the operating room and procedural sleep. So what it is, is a step-by-step visual workflow for each step of a surgical or interventional procedure. We have a big board in the room that can display pictures, videos, high-level instructions, et cetera, for each step of the case. And then we also have customized role-specific content. So a rep in the room for a tech in the room for a new physician, et cetera can have all of that information at their fingertips while they're doing a procedure. I'm going to put myself in the shoes of, I'm going to go back to maybe a, a big, maybe mid-cap or even a large strategic medical device company. Why would I be looking at Explore Surgical? People will deploy our software for a, in, in a couple of different instances. So one, for new products, what's really important is getting your product to market as quickly as possible and with the best possible results. In order to do that, you need to be working with your KOL stakeholders to really develop what are the best steps of the procedure, what is every piece of data that I can capture about what's happening in the room with my products. People tend to use a lot of old-fashioned systems, pen and paper, setting clinical engineers in to build their own homegrown spreadsheets. What we can do is both display those best practices live and capture an interoperative data set that's really never been captured before. So we work with new products that are coming to market. And then we also work with products that are already in the market where field teams are able to help work with those clinical teams in order to achieve the highest level of performance, but also that data capture. So companies really come to us when they're thinking about maintaining a competitive edge on their products, but also really capturing this data around what's happening in the room in an easy way. From a stakeholder standpoint, are you typically working with R&D teams inside medical device companies? Because I, I know there's also like this education and training component that comes with Explorer Surgical as well. And, and these, these are some topics that, that, you know, that we're going to get into as the conversation unfolds. But are you primarily working with one or the other or both? There's three different groups that we work with within uh, med tech companies. The first, as you mentioned, is R&D. So uh, for folks that are in the early stages of their product development, um, we have to work very closely with education and training. And then we will work with sales teams for products that are alive. So it really depends on the life cycle of that particular product. And kind of from start to finish, those are the different groups that we'll work with depending on their initiative. What we see in common is a desire to streamline processes and really think about creating the most efficient procedure as possible, and also a desire to capture more procedural data. Can we take a step back? What was the brainchild of this? Yeah. Or not necessarily who, but where, where did the idea Yeah, come how from? did this start? It's interesting. And, you know, like every startup company, we've had our own twists and turns along the way. So six and a half years ago, I was working in venture capital as a healthcare investor and went back to graduate school to get my MBA at the University of Chicago. Shortly after starting, I met a surgeon named Alex Langerman, who was running a research lab within the Department of Surgery at University of Chicago Hospital that was studying operating room workflow and operating room efficiency, or the lack thereof, like he likes to say. So when I first met him, Alex said to me, Jen, 
half the time in my OR, everything runs so perfectly. I have my favorite scrub nurse. My rep is on time. I'm doing one of my normal cases and I can just get in the zone and everybody is in sync. It's a perfectly coordinated symphony. But as soon as you remove one of those variables, if my rep is stuck in another room or another site, or I have a scrub that's rotated in from another specialty, or I'm working with something that's kind of new, things become really chaotic. And I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast, but you know, I'd say shit hits the fan. And Alex really had this vision for, hey, you know, half the time, I don't get the coordination of my team that I need to provide the best care for the patient on the table. So at the time, you know, I was working with a lot of physician entrepreneurs who had really big ideas. And I frankly didn't believe him on the magnitude of this problem. In my mind, I said, there's no way that the OR can be this bad or that problems are this frequent in such an intensive setting for the patient where, you know, as an outsider at the time, an OR outsider, you really imagine surgery to be this perfectly well-oiled machine. So Alex invited me into his OR. This is before, you know, the crazy vendor credentialing and, and HIPAA policies. This is 2013. So I started showing up at 5.45 in the morning and putting on scrubs and watching procedures. And I saw exactly what he had described, which was the huge bifurcation in procedures where you either had this team that was well-oiled and worked together all the time and you were doing something familiar, or just as so often the logistics of surgery demand, you didn't. What Alex had been building this research around was looking at what solutions were homegrown or built by teams to try and really streamline procedures. So the index cards, the black books, all of the notes on, you know, which surgeon likes to do things which way. Alex had this vision, could we really bring technology into that interoperative theory? Could we have a digital workflow tool to really manage procedures step-by-step step and make things visual, bring in videos, bring in pictures, and really find a way to get this whole team to work together in sync, even if the circumstances didn't allow you to always have the same people doing the same procedures day in and day out. And so that's how we started. This started as a passion project where I did this on the side for three years, working with Alex to iterate on prototypes and uh, get some grants through the door. And it wasn't until 2016 that I quit my, at the time, you know, great day job of being an investor to raise our own money for the start building it out, uh, starting start to build out a commercial solution and really bring this to market. That's really interesting. Scott and I both come from surgical sales backgrounds in medical device. Yep. So we both You've been in those rooms. <laughs> have, we've been there and witnessed I mean, the light bulb went off when you started describing that. I'm like, you know, oh, this tech is filling in in spine, coming from the general surgery team, oh, and, and the doctor's frustrated. So and, you know, you've got a dozen trays. and Yeah, Scott and I'm sure have both experienced that. So that became crystal clear as you described that. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. And and what um, if we have time, I'd love to learn a little bit more about kind of that that inflection point where you felt comfortable enough to leave a, a pretty good gig and go all in with uh, Explore yeah. Surgical. But the topic that I think would be really interesting to kind of transition into is it sounds like the first iteration of your platform was very much geared towards solving, the pro- towards solving you know problems within the procedural suite at the hospital level. Yeah. But now you have. I know we don't want to get into like who's using Explore Surgical, but you have a lot of med tech clients that are using your platform now. So yeah. talk to us a little bit more about that transition and maybe some of the, the challenge, the specific challenges and pains that are happening at the med tech level that are leading you know people in R&D departments or training and education departments to say, hey, we need something like an Explore Surgical to help solve for this, you know, this pain point. So, you know, we raised our seed funding in 2016. We were building a commercial version of the product. And, you know, as you mentioned, we were very much geared initially toward selling a solution into hospitals. So I went out and in that first year, I think I met with over 80 surgical services or, you know, perioperative services directors at hospitals. And the question that I always asked were, you know, which service lines need this the most, right? Where is there the biggest economic, but also at the end of the day, really clinical opportunity to streamline workflow and, you know, get more data and improve both efficiency and effectiveness of these teams in these rooms. And what I heard over and over again was ortho's fine, as I'm sure you both can imagine, um, just the mm-hmm. complexity and the dollars and volume of all those procedures. I also sure. heard cardiovascular and really outside, I mean, still in the cardiac OR, but started getting pushed into the cath lab and EP lab a lot for some of those procedures. And then I also heard robotics. And that's where we started spending a lot of our time as a company that the market was telling us. And it was really opportunistic. These are very vendor-heavy surgical specialties, right? These are rooms where you have a vendor that is there in every room for every procedure working with that product. One of the top three cardiovascular manufacturers kind of heard about us and they came to us. It wasn't something that was outbound and said, Jen, we've seen what you're doing. We see this opportunity to really think about streamlining procedures and taking our best practices and finding a way to share that live in the room. Would there be an opportunity for us to work with you to develop a workflow for one of our implantable products and then work within our team at the company to start using this? So this was new for us. It was not something that we had specifically said, hey, I want to sell to medical device manufacturers, but I was very intrigued by it. And, you know, hospital sales cycles are, are really, really tough. And the average 18 months and for a startup company with a brand new price can be even longer. So as the leader of a venture backed company, you know, definitely on my mind is how do I get the right commercial traction in these 12 to 18 month funding increments where I have to meet these milestones of our investors when our sales cycle is so long. So I was intrigued and spent a lot of time with this initial customer I'm just learning from them. What are your pain points? You know, what are you seeing? How do you view your competition? What is the value that you see in purchasing a solution like this directly from us? And they began deploying it with their medical education team. So using Explore 
in the animal labs and the cadaver labs and those early procedures where they had all of their physicians coming in to learn about this really new and exciting product that was generating great results. And that's where we started to just see an opportunity to scale our business much faster. So rather than having to go hospital to hospital, room to room, physician to physician, we could work directly with these manufacturers that already had this scale. And then you could start to think about so much more value and power in that data when we could build a best practices workflow, you know, for say their their total knee implant and then launch it across, you know, a whole set of surgeons at one time. So we saw that opportunity, learned about it and pursued it, and since then have really shifted our strategy to focus on marketing directly to those med device companies as opposed to purely hospitals. So the biggest need, Jennifer, that you noticed, I love the fact that this need was born out of like, what would you say, 80 plus conversations with customers. So you were like knee deep in the trenches. It reminds me of this piece that I read actually just recently, I think this week, maybe it was Monday. It was like the top learnings of the past decade growing startups. And it was from the uh, the, the director of brand, I believe, at Open Table. Really, it was actually a really good piece. I think I, I, I mm-hmm. tweeted about it. But he mentioned like you know, in several of those those key learnings, it's like you can never learn, like as a startup, you can never learn the things that you need to without shipping, right? Without shipping product and then talking to customers and then iterating. 100%. And it just, I mean, it just, yeah, it's just it's it's like it doesn't necessarily sound cliche, and that's definitely not rocket science if you're in the startup world. But like your experiences, like ring certainly ring true. It sounds like, but I guess just to kind of circle back around to, to what you mentioned, it sounds like this first started out as a very educational tool, right? Going from hospitals, then even to med tech companies. Mm-hmm. And if I have a complex spine product where there, there's a certain amount of like intricate procedural steps, just as a workflow tool that you know I could offer to my hospital clients and physicians to help them, you know, not only learn the product, but ideally result in a more, you know, efficacious procedure. But you're also, like, how did this then evolve into the product development side too? Because that probably what really yeah. stands out to me is this with this transition then even it, one more twist, right, in the product development, you know, your product development life cycle and that now it's being used elsewhere. So I think that's really interesting. Can you speak to that too? Medical education is a great starting point for us when we are working with new customers. And I think what we've seen over time is we've been pulled both forward and backward in the product lifecycle. So if you know we're working with the medical education team, it's natural to then think about as the product is getting launched, how you continue to capture data on the product, how to continue to offer value on your previous longitudinal data set. What we started to see as we were engaged more commercially with prospective customers and our existing customers was we kept hearing, gosh, I wish I had this two years ago or three years ago when we were first getting this started. And we started hearing about some of the pain points of candidly even just writing an IFU for a new product that we weren't aware of. And what we kept hearing was, you know, we're, we have our steering committee of our six or eight KOL docs, and we're trying to create, you know, our next gen implants. And we're getting eight docs in a room, but we have 12 different opinions. So there's just this incredible amount of time and money and resources that are invested in these steering committees and really thinking about how do you even get some of these guidelines built and best practices. At the same time, what we had heard from some of our hospital customers was a uh, desire to use what's called the Delphi method. Are either of you familiar with this? I'm not. 
it's a method that's been around for a while and is popular in academic medicine where it's basically a way of working with experts to reach consensus. So we just heard the scene from the market of, hey, for these complex procedures, I'm trying to find a way to map out the difference and also get all of my experts aligned, right, on what those steps should be and how complex is each one of these steps. And our CTO worked with one of the actually hospitals originally um, to add this Delphi component to our software where we can still build out the procedural workflow, but then you're able to remotely share that workflow with all of your KOLs, experts, steering committee members, et cetera. And then it allows everybody to interact with each other. You can start to vote and you can see where people are really aligned on, hey, this is the approach that we should be taking um, for, you know, access for this particular procedure. This is, you know, the degree of approach that we should be taking. Or here are the particular steps where people are really debating with each other and what this should look like. So it was this desire for a more data-driven way to make decisions even earlier in the product lifecycle that was all dependent on how do you map out a process? How do you collect the right data points? How do you have this in a cloud-based, instant, easy to access way? So we started building more of these components into our software and it was just kind of that market feedback that started showing us that there was more and more interest in this early on in the product lifecycle. That's been really exciting for us to see and, you know, as we're seeing some of these, I'd say, really transformational innovations happening in the med tech space, you know, on the cardiovascular side, looking at how much is now transcatheter, um, just these totally new approaches, it's really important to think about how do you get the right input from clinical folks and how do you be data-driven and how do you shorten that timeline to development on um, to really get this procedure and get these new products launched. In terms of the practical application, let's just take a transcatheter heart valve, for example. Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, whether it's an Edwards or, you know, a Medtronic, whatever the company, I've got Explorer Surgical in a hospital suite. And am I, like from from a product development standpoint, am I sort of gathering data with how, based on the playbooks that, you know, these um, interventional cardiologists is following with that particular implant, am I gathering data and then learning a little bit more about how he or she is using that particular implant and then trying to identify, you know, pain points or challenges to either iterate on my existing heart valve or maybe there's ideas that come out of that, those sort of learnings for additional, for new products altogether? Am I understanding that correctly? You are, except that when we work with R&D teams, we're often working with them before their product is live in hospitals. So we're engaging much earlier in that life cycle. We can actually do, you know, post-marketing data collection as well. But, you know, we'll often see people using Explore to capture data in a lab setting before product is even launched, or they'll use it during clinical trials to capture more data about what's happening in the room. So we see R&D teams that um, have a really strong desire to capture more detailed data about what's happening during procedures, but then the settings that it can be deployed in can be animal lab, that space that they're renting out, wherever the location is, all the way to, hey, my product is live and it's being used on an ongoing basis and I want the field rep to capture data. Does that make sense? 
It does. And, and Norbert, I know you wanted to chime in with a question, but is this, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with some of these <laughs> tools, but like at, at Juve, as an example, as an e-com, as a, well, as a medical device company that commercializes primarily direct to consumer through an e-commerce store, we use a, you know, a decent, our tech stack is pretty deep, but we use a fair amount of tools that monitor, um, they do like heat mapping and scroll percentages just to gather like additional data on how users are interacting with our website, right? Google mm-hmm. Analytics being, you know, the most the most common. Yeah. Is Explore Surgical almost like an offline version of that, right? Where you're helping device companies really monitor that type of user data, how how physicians, whether it's in a clinical trial setting or, or an animal lab, how they're using their products, sort of an offline version. Is that kind of a fair analogy to them? We support companies that want to capture a specific set of data, but often don't have the right tools to do that. So we have our own mobile app so you can interact with Explorer on a phone, on a tablet, on a desktop computer, whatever you want. But the best instances of where we see success is, you know, when a company says, I really want to understand X, Y, and Z. And right now I'm not getting that. And we see these homegrown, you know, like the clinical worksheets are very common, you know, the pen and paper or some kind of Excel spreadsheet or something like that we can replace that with a really easy-to-use system in real time. Well, to your point is that if you are capturing that data while they're intraoperative, you know, yep. maybe it would help the company find a new iteration that is needed or some additional product or something for the future, to Scott's point. So the data capture is kind of cool and all the possibilities in them helping them develop it and potentially developing new ones down the line. Yeah, it's a great uh, uh, way to diagnose what's really happening in the room. What are the real pain points? And also, where is their variability, right? You might see in certain types of practices, you know, if you if you just look at total joints, right, you're going to have a lot of very high volume practices that may be doing this outpatient, same teams all the time. You're always doing it in, you know, 48 minutes or whatever it is. But then you may see other settings where there's huge variability. And that's something where I think med tech companies, they want to know this. They want to understand what's happening and they want to take that data and use it to inform their strategy, whether it's product strategy. And here's the next one of our products that we need to develop in order to the clinical teams using it, or whether it's, you know, a sales or marketing strategy as well. What are the things that we can do to provide their resources to the doctors and to the teams that are interacting with their products every day. Hey there, it's Scott, and thanks for listening in so far. The rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for MedSider Premium members. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadim Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others. As a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider Mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium.